Welcome to the RedX Real Estate Podcast. Here, you'll discover how to create stability and opportunity for your business with tips, tricks, habits, and hacks from top performing agents. If you'd like to receive notifications for new episodes, be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you like to listen. And for even more updates on eBooks, webinar trainings, and other useful real estate content, head over to theredx.com slash blog and click on any blog post to sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Thanks for listening. Now sit back and enjoy the episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Red X Podcast. Welcome back. My name is Andrew. I'll be your host today. We've got a wonderful guest, a return guest, uh, Alex Piok. Alex, how you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing awesome. I'm really excited to be back on and uh, contributing to the group. Excellent. I love it. Well, um, just a few uh, reminders for the audience. Uh, if you are joining us live, please, please, please communicate with us in the chat. Send in your questions for Alex make some comments, let's get involved, let's get incorporated. What Today we are going to be talking about low inventory, the hottest topic in real estate right now, obviously, and um, Alex has a ton of great information coming your way. So let's just jump right into it, Alex. Um, what are you doing right now to be successful with low inventory? I know that's a huge question, but I'll let you unpack it. Yeah, um, man, there's no doubt inventory is hard to find. Uh, The most recent market update that I sent out to my clients here in the Dallas, Texas area, you know, I really specialize in what I call North Dallas, so Plano, Frisco, that area. We're down to about 14 days of inventory. Wow. So in markets that historically are selling like 3,000 homes a year, there's 120 homes available right now. We got a 78% ending ratio. So when people say they're in a competitive market, I feel your pain. We are in the exact same situation here. Um, So obviously when that happens, right, you could either kind of bury your head in the sand and say, oh, this is just hard. You know, what we decided was, all right, how do we pivot our business? How do we find the opportunity in today's current challenges? So uh, I'm excited to share with everybody the seven ways you can kind of pivot your business to actually thrive in a low inventory market. I love it. I love that. And and you're totally right. It's 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 unprecedented. And I think the agents that are going to thrive through this, that are thriving right now, are the ones saying, I'm not gonna go hide under the bed. I'm gonna take advantage of what's out there. I'm gonna grab up everything that's out there. It's 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 crazy. I mean, I mean, even here in Utah, we're getting, you know, dozens, sometimes hundreds of offers, a hundred thousand dollars over asking price. It's 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 a crazy market. So um, so what, what strategies and methods yep. have, have you been doing that have proven successful? Or if you want to jump into your seven, your seven list right there, let's, we can do that. Yeah. So the kind of the strategies that literally what I did was I took exactly that question, right? Like, what am I yes. doing? Um, what are my coaching clients and people that I work with? What are we working on in their business and where are we seeing results? So that's how this mm. all kind of came together, um, was really trying to solve this challenge, not just for me, but for agents that I work with and like, all right, there's an opportunity, right? In every challenge, there's an opportunity and where you make money is in solving that problem in your market. So one of the first things I do with everybody, and this is kind of like step one of the seven is, we need to look at your marketing. Like we need to determine where are you spending money? If you're buyer heavy, seller heavy, get an understanding of what that is and what are you spending? If you are investing heavily on buyer lead generation right now, you may want to pull back 
and switch over to seller lead generation or prospecting, neighborhoods, farming, door, whatever it is, because having more buyers actually compounds the problem for real estate agents. Right. If you can't get a buyer and offer accepted, don't go generate a hundred more of those challenges in your market. So that's step one is looking at your budget, the allocation, are you buyer heavy, seller heavy, and what other opportunities can you invest in? I love that. I love that. I love that. Look at your marketing. Um, and I'm going to remind everyone right now, if you don't have a pen and paper, pull out a pen and paper and write these down. I'm doing it right now. These are these are excellent tips. Um, yeah, and you're totally right. Like, like there's, there's more than enough buyers. There's an overabundance of buyers. We don't need to be oversaturating that side of the market. What we need is sellers. And I've heard the same thing from several agents, which is circle prospect, find people who might want to sell. What what are some of your strategies for for that? Like specifically circle prospecting, what do you what do you do and say on the phone to to generate those sellers? Yeah. So, when I circle prospect, which is what I believe is one of the key strategies everybody needs to pivot to because let's be honest, it's it's really inexpensive. Yes. Very inexpensive. Yes. I almost classify this as one of the freebies basically that agents can be doing. And you guys do an amazing job at this, right? Like you can go in, you can draw your neighborhoods, you can download the closest 50, 100, 200 homes by yep. people who've lived in the neighborhood by two, three, five, seven years. What I do that's slightly different is I do something called event-based prospecting. I'm not gonna randomly just call into neighborhoods and just kind of throw a dart blindly and say, hey, maybe I find somebody. What I know, I've been doing this for 18 years. When a okay. home sells in a neighborhood, there's usually another home getting ready to come on the market and sell sometime between 10 days and like 30, 60 days. There's more people who are watching their neighbor to see what happens. So if you know there's people thinking about it, well, what I wanna do is I wanna gain their trust and put my brand in front of them and make them offers before they interview other real estate agents, which mm. is a huge game changer, yes. less competition. So I will circle prospect in and around, hey, I don't know if you saw, but your neighbor just listed their property. It's going on the market for X, Y, Z. Just curious, have you given any thought about possibly moving up or moving down in today's market and taking advantage of all the equity you've built? So that's an easy phone call. Now I will tell you, I'll give you a little, this has been working really well. Um, when I'm the listing agent and I make yeah. those calls, I start my call with, hey, I'm giving you a call on behalf of your neighbor. Because okay. if I say I'm Alex, who's a real estate agent, they may have other agents who have already called and they're like, dude, yep. not another one and hanging up. Yep. What that does is it kind of is a pattern disrupt. They're like, okay, what's my neighbor want? And it gives me the opportunity to get my message and make you know my, my compelling offer to them. I love that. That's a fantastic strategy, fantastic script there. What's number two? I don't want to get yeah. too sidetracked from these. But. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. And we'll go deeper into that because it kind of okay. ties into some of the other strategies because I believe there's multiple phone calls that can be made. Yes. When we talk about event-based prospecting, it's not just listing, it's open houses. It's we just accepted an offer and we had 80 other offers who offered 50 to $100,000 more. Who in the neighborhood do I need to be speaking to who's thinking about selling? And right. then there's, we just closed on your neighbor's house today. Now I can give you the info. So I think there's four calls that can be made. And what's important is if we know somebody's listing in 30, 60 days, a week, getting multiple attempts, getting your name, your brand, your offer out there multiple times is really key. So yes. 
Now, number two is, you know, we talked about the budget, right? So number two is finding seller lead generation opportunities, adding new pillars of business to what you're currently doing. And I'll just rattle off a few. You guys can be running Facebook lead ads for sellers. And you can do the traditional uh, find out what your home is worth. You could run um, how to get your home prepared to attract multiple offers. These are things you can get done really, really inexpensively. Uh, Google pay-per-click. You know, I'm a big proponent of running the very targeted, you know, hey, home values in such and such area have appreciated by 22% in the last 12 months. Curious what your home is worth? Go here, right? And I'm driving them to really specific seller home evaluation sites. Mm. Uh, I think postcards in and around events, in and around a listing, a sale, leveraging the postcards like, and I'm not just putting, um, I sold your neighbor's home. I'm leading the postcard off with sold 87,000 over asking. Yes. Because it's not about the price. It's the fact that it's over asking. We, you right. know, when people are doing their mail, right, they're just looking over the garbage and they're throwing it out. So you got to catch their attention. So leading off with like 92 offers sold 87,000. Then you can say your neighbor, their address, what they sold for, but being attention and grabbing their attention. Uh, Or hangers. Hey, we just sold your neighbor's home. We have 13 more buyers. Like be real specific. I think think consumers are really turned off when you're general because they think most people are just BSing them. So be specific. Like, hey, 13 buyers wrote offers on your neighbor's house they were between X and Y over asking price, but didn't win. Are you thinking about selling your home this year? If so, give me a call. Mm-hmm. So again, I, I do something in my marketing called the force multiplier effect. And okay. that is I want to show up by land, by air, by sea. So I am calling, I'm door hanging, I'm hitting them with postcards and I'm running social media ads and I'm doing Google, right? Like I am surrounding them with who I am and that I do business in their neighborhood. Or if I'm not doing neighborhood business in their neighborhood, I'm making compelling offers. My marketing is value driven. It's all about them, not about me. So not that I'm number one, not that I'm selling a lot of houses. It's your home is appreciated. Find out what your home is selling for, right? Like if you could sell your home and name your price, how much would you want, right? Like that's another great campaign in today's market because it kind of gets the person who's like, well, if I could sell it for eight hundred, I'd really sell. Yeah. In today's market, you might get that, right? Yeah. So, uh, that's a good marketing message. I think old expireds, people who failed to sell, go back 24, 36 months. Mm. Hey, I know you had your home on the market two years ago. I'm not sure if you've been keeping up, but the market has gone crazy. Your home's probably appreciated 20, 30 percent more than where it was on the market back then. Have you given any thought about possibly selling? Like, go have those conversations, right? And that also, by the way, is one of the strategies I'm using when I represent a buyer is I'm calling old expires. Right. Hey, I have a buyer for your home. Um, There's nothing available. But when I put them into my MLS search, your home was an exact match. I know it's not on the market. But if you could sell with the convenience of no showings, no signs, no hassle, would you consider an offer? I mean, 
we look at what iBuyers are doing, right? That's essentially yeah. what they're saying is sell your home without the hassle, make it convenient. Yeah. If you have a buyer, you could pretty much make that you know similar offer. So well, here's 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 a quick objection for that that strategy, and I just want to see how you handle this. Is what if what if you come to them and you say, hey, you know, you could probably sell your home for way over right now. You know, how much would it be worth? How much would you need to get out of your home for for me to help you sell it? How often do they they reply with, well, I would love to sell my home, I would love to get some equity, but um, I don't. I mean, if the market's this crazy, how am I going to find a home? How am I going to move and be able to to actually get somewhere else? Yeah, that's a great question. And what's cool is like, I'm helping my buyer find an off market property. So it's easy to say, well, what we do is actually way different than just getting you access to online properties that you can mm. see on Zillow, Realtor, Trulia. We actually have an off market strategy, exactly what I'm doing right now on behalf of this buyer, I'd be able to do for you. We'd identify what you're looking for, your neighborhoods, type of home. And I've got 10 different things that I do to help my home buyers find off market properties as well. I love it. That's perfect. So that's a great strategy for seller lead generation. And you do get some double ended opportunities. Um, I love circle prospecting around sales. Uh, strategy number three is really changing your targeting message. Okay, so targeting messages around buyers and sellers. I'm still a proponent of working with buyers. But what I've done is I've done the research in my market to say at what price range are homes still selling, but maybe not in four days on the market, right? Mm. Their average time on market is 30 or 45 days where I've got an opportunity to bring a buyer and not have to compete against 80 other offers. So I started doing more luxury targeting. I found this, the, the price range of where there's still inventory, still active, but mm. not as competitive. And I started running Facebook ads, Google ads, targeting those types of homes. So I'll describe what that next tier home looks like offer a free list, offer a list of open houses this weekend, um, off market opportunities in those areas, gaining those buyers. And now obviously life's a lot easier when you work with a buyer who's in that price range that's less competitive. We also then match our seller marketing to that so we could try to double end and find more sellers who, you know, I think there was a stat many years ago that said the average person moves up by 150%. So if you're approved for 400, your next move up, if you sell a 400,000 is a $600,000 house. Mm. 600 moves up to 900. So if you get that seller, they're moving up to an even higher or they're moving out of the area, which is an easier buyer to represent anyway. So uh, I like changing my targeting message on those as well and just targeting different neighborhoods, zip codes, price points. Love it. So that's a great strategy, strategy three. Number four, I think a lot of people forget about this. Your past clients, right, who bought three, five, seven, ten years ago, just picking yep. up the phone saying, hey, the market is insane. And I was thinking about you. You've done pretty good. Um, you know, most home values are up 50, 60, whatever it is from their time frame. Um, have you given any thought about moving up, moving down, or, you know, maybe buying an investment property, right? Yeah. I think that is a hidden gem that people just forget about. But I mean, if you sold Especially house, in such a hot market. Yeah. Right? If you sold the house five years ago, that person's sitting on just a truckload of cash 
yes. tied up into their property, right? Yes, so absolutely. Um, that's an easy strategy, an easy phone call. And again, it's a freebie, right? Like it, yeah. a lot of this so far has been free or really inexpensive, mm-hmm. which I think is even better, right? You don't have making to spend, calls. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to spend a lot of money. Um, reaching out to your database, a lot of realtors who, if you've been in this market for a while, you've got a database of leads. Mm-hmm. So Dean Jackson's got an awesome killer nine word email that he sends out to buyers and sellers. Are you still interested in buying a home or selling your home in Frisco? You know, would you consider selling your Frisco home? And you just send that out to a very stale database. Maybe these people haven't responded to you in months, right? They're not Mm -hmm. active, but then you hit them with this nine word email and it re-engages them. Or here's another one. Hey, do you still have your home in Frisco? If you could sell it, how much would you want? You know, so like these are engagement type questions that elicit a response back. But that's a great way to work. You already paid for those leads. You never converted them. Let's give another kick at the can, make them, you know, good, compelling offer, create, you know, three or four of these emails and a drip campaign over the next three to four weeks. You might be surprised. You might get people to respond back and said, you know what? If we could get X, you know, 550, we'd sell. Great. In today's market, that's possible. When's a good time to chat, right? So that's a good freebie, but also gets you a good ROI on leads you've already spent. And um, you'll be surprised how many people are sitting in your database that you just haven't connected with. Right. Uh, Number six is working with buyers. If you are a buyer heavy agent, I wanted to give people a way to get offers accepted. So I'm going to walk you through exactly what I do with my buyers. It always starts with a consultation. And what's cool is now we can do them via Zoom, right? That's the new norm. You don't mm-hmm. need them to come into your office. Yeah. When I'm doing this, I'm really getting clear on what their motivation is for buying a home. Why is this important to you? And what's your plan B? And if there's no plan B, then that's a good thing, right? That means they're really motivated. But then I take time and I educate them about the market. I tell them what I'm seeing sharing actual case studies of other buyers where we've won, where we've beat out 40, 50 other buyers in a multiple bid situation. Mm. And I tell them what it takes and really get them prepared as far as, hey, if you're approved for 400, we probably want to max the homes you look at at 350. We want to give you a $50,000 buffer, right? Mm. So I'm adjusting their search criteria based on what I'm seeing the average home selling for. I'm talking to them about the ver- the different ways to structure an offer. So I tell them like, okay, we haven't found a home yet. Step one is let's make you a cash borrower. How do we do that? Our lender will take your full mortgage application. They will run it, run it through uh, underwriting. They will verify income, assets, employment. Literally, we can remove the mortgage contingency on your offer because you're approved. All we need is a sales contract. Mm. Appraisers are the appraisal is something different we can talk about that's happening today. But we really get them cash prepared so that we are a more attractive offer. Right. The next thing we talk about is cash. How much cash do you have? Because if we go above asking price, we're going to have to guarantee a potential shortage in the appraisal. Mm -hmm. And we can only guarantee based on how much cash 
you have. So we're working on stacking cash for our clients. We're looking at all the ways we can get cash from savings into down payment, we'll even bump your interest rate so you can get lender paid credits for closing costs. Mm. Whatever it takes, we need to be doing that, right? Which right. is really important. So we'll go through all of those processes, but at least when we take a buyer into the market, they already know, okay, I gotta go 10 to 15% above asking price. I'll need to have my cash. I'm already fully approved with my lender. Um, we would have talked about offering a free lease back, um, providing the seller more time. Because what is seller's biggest challenge right now? Where do I go when I sell? Yeah. So if we could come in and say, I'll buy your house now and you got 60 days to move and it's a free lease, really, really juicy competitive offer, right? Yeah. So, but what we do is again, you gotta be, you gotta kinda know how to protect your buyer. We'll close like the first five to seven days of the month. Like we've got, you know, May coming up here. So I've got a lot of closings scheduled for May 5th and 7th. Hmm. I think 5th, 6th, depending on, I know there's a weekend there, but right. what we're doing is we're closing on that time frame because their first mortgage payment won't be until, you know, May, June, July 1st. Yep. So they're, they're having 60 days of no payments, which means we can offer a 60 day lease back and my client never incur a double payment of a lease and a mortgage or a lease and, you know, whatever, right. or two mortgages. So it allows them to be more competitive, making a stronger offer, but also not incurring any expense out of their pocket as well. So that's a strategy. Um, home inspections. So I've got home inspectors that'll get out there within 24 hours, which means I can bring that contingency window down to three to four days. In Texas, we have what's called an option period. The buyer actually has to pay for a allotted amount of time. It's called the buyer's option. And that's when you do your home inspection. My buyers are writing $750 to $1,000 checks. Most buyers in my market are only doing $150, $250, $300 if you're a good agent. I'm coming in 3Xing them. So if we back out of this deal, the seller gets to keep my thousand bucks for my client, right? So mm. my client's also not going to back out for, you know, a broken doorknob, right? Like right. they're in it because they got some skin in the game. So again, more motivated. Um, what's standard here is like a 1% down payment of earnest money. We're going two, three, four, five percent If you're going to put down 20% as your down payment, don't put down five grand, put down 25 grand let the seller know you're strong yeah and then finally my lender always and i hope everybody's writing this down i just had a 38 offers on a property not one lender called me as an agent my lender always calls i bcc him in the offer mm -hmm. he immediately picks up the phone and he calls and he's gonna say you know hey listen uh, i saw we submitted an offer on your property just so you know my clients are fully underwritten, fully approved. We can get you done in 10 days, start to finish. You're gonna have no problems with these people. Like now that listing agent is gonna look at your offer differently. They're also gonna communicate the value of your offer differently to their sellers because none of the other offers had anybody call on behalf of that client. And I've had some emails, but let me tell you, when a lender takes five minutes out of their day to call and give you the details on, why this is a home run it's different than hey these are great buyers right so right. those are a couple of the strategies that we are doing right now 
to position our buyers to win. And even in a crazy seller's market, 50% of my, my business is still buyers. We're still getting deals accepted daily with buyers. That's incredible. I mean, what, 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 what a treasure trove of, of great information that I think people really need right now because, because there's so many, you know, with, with, with such a crazy market, I think people don't know where to turn because they, you know, they, they haven't practiced a lot of these, you know, a lot yeah. of, a lot of real estate is momentum. And it sounds like what you're doing here is, is keeping, keeping them involved, keeping them informed and keeping everything financially attractive for the buyer or seller. Yeah. Right? I can't, there's a number of my buyers who were not the highest offer. Interesting. They were okay. not the highest offer, but they had the best net offer to the seller. Mm. So, you know, if your buyer will pay the title fees, well, that could be three, four, five thousand dollars swing in the net to the seller. If you're if you provide a 60 day lease back and that seller doesn't have to do temporary housing or move twice or put their stuff in storage, there's a value added to that as well. So it's how do I make my clients offer the most attractive without just always throwing money? Now the money's gotta be close, right? But we're not always. And then I wanna tell everybody this, I'm really, this has been like my big, I would say the last three offers, I heard this from the other agent. So I'm gonna share it because this is just what's happening right now. Okay. We took your offer because you're an aggressive agent. You have outcalled everybody. You've sent us video text. You've over communicated about your people. You've been relentlessly pursuing this opportunity. And I know if that's how you are up front, I, I know how that transaction is going to go with you. Nice. So I've had the relationship with the other agent be one of the tipping points and they go to bat on why the seller should work with us. Like, hey, this agent over here, they emailed us the offer. This agent over here emailed the offer, sent a video text outlining the highlights, told us about their relationship. This is not a Zillow lead or an online lead. They've done a buyer consultation. Their buyer's educated about what it takes to buy. They provided all these things in our offer and their lender picked up the phone and called. Yeah. Like relationships between agents is really key right now. And you know, I've been doing this for 18 years. I can't tell you how many times an agent will call and they're like, they're, they're just their egos butting heads with me. I'm like, whoa, I'm here to put a deal together. And by the way, what I think and what you think really don't matter because it's what our clients think. Like right. don't interject your ego into killing a deal. You know, I'm right. here to put deals together and satisfy our clients. But that does happen with some real estate agents. They, I've been doing this for X amount of years. I didn't ask you that. I'm not, and, I, and this is not about our resume. It's about what's best for our clients. Like, so when you take that approach with agents, and sometimes when you have one of those agents on the other end, sometimes you just kiss their butt a little bit, make them feel good about themselves, play to their ego, and get the deal done for your client, right? You're outsmarting them. But that relationship and working with other agents is really, I'm finding it really vital right now. Right. So, so, so if I can try and sum this up, it's, it's that you're working as hard as possible and that you're making it about your clients and not about you. 100%. It's always about our clients. Right. And I think, I think sometimes agents, especially in a more relaxed market, forget that. Right. Yeah. And, the, and they, they just, yeah, they're looking for checks and, and what they should be looking for is 
and, and what this pays off for in dividends later is also building that sphere, building that database, having a good, you know, long term list of, of reliable people who will send you referral and repeat business in any market. Right. Right. And what's funny is, you know, it's 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 doing the right thing by your client. So when they're at work or they're talking to somebody else, because when somebody's buying or selling real estate, all they're talking about is real estate. Right. Like it's the number one thing. And when they're when their coworkers like we missed out on the 15th offer and they're like, we got our offer accepted. Our agent did this, this, that like you become like this rock star that they're just raving about in, you know, the opportunities and the referrals that come back to you from your active clients, not just your sold clients. Like you should be getting referrals during the process because your client should be like, oh, my God you did that you did that like you know getting them tied in over communicating you'll create raving fans i love it i love it that's so true well was that was that all seven points uh one more one more let's do it social media you have to memorialize what is happening in the market on your social media sharing successes sharing challenges telling your client's story Like a lot of what we're doing now is congratulations to our buyer. We're so happy. They wrote five offers. This was their sixth offer. We got it done for them. This was their dream house. Here's what we've been going through. Here's how we got their offer accepted. Telling the stories, making case studies, because there's a lot of people in the city who are in real estate who are just, they're not getting their offers accepted. So client experiences, client testimonials, posting about your successes, Posting about your challenges, right? You got to be careful. You can't come across like a crybaby because I see agents like, oh my God, the market is so bad. You're just telling people don't call you, right? Yeah. So you got to be careful on what you're putting out there. Like, hey, if you're going to talk about a challenge, talk about how you overcame it with your clients. But again, don't be the hero of the story. Your client is the hero of the story. You're their guide. Uh, Don Miller, the creator of Story Brand, talks about. Your clients are the heroes. You're just the guide in the journey. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy being the guide as long as that means my clients are getting their offers accepted and home sold. That's ultimately what matters. I love it. I love it. So so here's a question that we got from Amanda on a survey that we sent out about this podcast. And I think it, I think it um, kind of is the perfect question to ask right now. You've given us these seven amazing things that you can do right now how do you balance all of that how do you find enough time in the day if you're working this hard yeah to keep everything rolling and and she asked specifically how do you balance your lead gen your lead follow-up your social media time while servicing your existing clients yep so um time blocking that is the number one success trait of every successful entrepreneur uh chet holmes in the ultimate sales machine chapter one time management of billionaires It's Mm. how do you chunk out your time? Mm. See, there's a lot of time in real estate. Agents are busy, but not productive. We're busy doing busy work, not productive work. So what I'll tell people is you need to have in your calendar time that you work in your business and time you work on your business. Mm. I just had this conversation today with one of my, my clients and I said, when are you working on your business when do you have the impact zone 90 minutes deep work on marketing on lead generation and if you're a single agent maybe it's once a month you do a 90 minute review of your marketing maybe it's once a month you do a 90 minute review of your lead generation 
And there's so many auto posting tools for social media. Maybe Monday you spend two hours and you do your entire week and you go to the creator studio for Facebook and Instagram and you schedule your entire week's post on Monday. And you right. set it, forget it, it's done. You come back next Monday, you get into your time block and you do it again. Time blocking is your key. Um, the other thing is, you know, you gotta, when you time block, you gotta time block your, your time for prospecting. Um, everybody here needs to be on the triple line dialer because mm -hmm. you're three times more effective. And I don't like people's, I don't wanna do the three line dialer. Okay, then I'll sell three times as many houses without having to work any harder. Like, nope. just do it and start at two, move up to three. I promise you, it'll be the biggest game changer in your business because you'll make three times as much productivity in the same time frame. So if you've only got an hour a day, that's five hours. Imagine if that you're getting 15 hours a week of prospecting with a triple line dialer. Right. Like now compound that for 40 weeks, 50 weeks in a year. That's why some agents are selling 20, 30, 40 times more homes. They're using technology to leverage the growth of their business. So you need to be doing that. Um, and then as soon as you get a little bit of money coming in, off, get, get off of your plate the things that don't move the needle. The first thing I did is I got a contract to close coordinator. It's variable expense. I only pay her when the contract closes. If it falls apart, nobody gets paid. It's $325 per close transaction. Hmm. I get the offer accepted. I never put it into SkySlope. I never do my, like my EXP compliance for my brokerage. I don't touch it ever again. I don't have to manage the contingencies. I don't follow up with the lender. All that is done for me. And I'm only, I only get a phone call when there's something that either is impacting the deal or impacting the financial, you know, of my client. I knew I do the negotiating of the, um, the home inspection. That's it. Everything else is done. So I'm buying back four, five, six hours on every deal for 325 bucks. It's nice. a little bit of money. So anybody can do that. And even if you're doing one deal a month, guys, you're gaining six hours. Use that six hours to go get your second deal, right? Like you gotta be thinking dollar productive activities. When you're prospecting, that's worth 250 to $300 an hour. When you're taking clients out, showing homes, doing listing presentations, that's three, $500 an hour. Mm. When you're at a listing presentation, closing a listing, that's $1,000 an hour work, right? So. We can't be like, you know, penny foolish and say, well, I don't really have, make it a variable expense. Even if you pay 350 a deal, you're only paying when you get paid um, so you can scale your business. So those are some things I would be doing if I was in Amanda's shoes right now. I love it. Let's 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 go back to, you mentioned the triple line dialer and, and, and tripling your productivity there. I want to bring it back to lead types. We've already talked about circle prospecting with geo leads um, is, is an obvious, you know, yep. great thing to do right now. You mentioned old expireds. Are you prospecting for sale by owners at all right now? Um, not right now personally, but I do okay. have agents who are doing for sale by owners. Okay. And do you know their strategy for that? Like, how are they approaching that? Well, so I've got a gentleman out in Arizona, which is really competitive. Yes. Um, yes. You know, you're almost try you're almost better off trying to find the wild, crazy Fizbo who's got their home so dramatically overpriced. Everybody's overlooking it because in a lot of markets, 
you know, by the way, it is an off market strategy for my buyer. So when I work with the buyer, I'd say, hey, one of the reasons you should work with me is I have an off market strategy. One of the 10 things I do differently is find you off markets. To me, a FISBO is off market. They're not on the MLS. Not everybody knows about them. Not every realtor wants to work with them. So there is a strategy to bring them a buyer mm. and use them as an off market source for your buyers. Nice. As far as listings, do the math. Say, listen, I know you're asking X. I'm getting my clients my fee plus putting 20, 30, $40,000 in their pocket. If you didn't have to handle any of this and you didn't have to pay me a dime and you still made more money, would you be open to talking? You know, because really our fee is so insignificant right now because if you're in a hot market, you're, whatever you charge is irrelevant because you're selling them for so much more. So you can go with that approach. Like I can get you even above and beyond what you're currently getting and you know, asking them, well, hey, you know, right now, how many offers do you have? One. Well, what if I can get you 25 and you can compete and drive up the price and net an extra mm. 30,000 in your pocket? Would that even interest you? And I would say it with such like, would that even interest? What are they going to say? Of course that would interest me. Yes. We're FISBO because we want to put the most amount of money in our pocket. They think saving the commission does that. It doesn't. It's the exact opposite. You're right. attracting less offers because less eyeballs are on your home. There was a stat at one point that said like 87% of all transactions, buyers were working with a realtor. So, I mean, if you lose 87% of your market, I mean, basic, you know, economic supply and demand, you just lost the biggest, you know, demand on your home, right? So um, I do think FISBOs are an opportunity in some markets. The one thing we didn't talk about in my seven that is a is an off market strategy right now and for finding more sellers are non-owner occupied. So basically mm. people who own investment properties. There are certain markets, like I'm originally from Connecticut. So if there's any Connecticut agents, go talk to every single investor because the, the, the governor of Connecticut basically came out in the pandemic said, don't pay your rent. You cannot be evicted. Don't worry about it. Well, what about the person who is the investor who owns that property now? They've got no income. Right. The good news is those markets are still appreciating. So when they do unload it, they're going to sell at a premium. I would be calling them and saying, hey, I see you have your home available for rent right now. I'm curious with how crazy the market is. Is there a price in which you would consider selling this property? What if it was 20, 30,000 more than you even think it's worth? Right. Like throw out a wild number to capture, to just get their attention. And there's going to be a percentage that say, you know what? I'm tired of renting. I'm tired right. of dealing. The last tenant destroyed the house. The last tenant didn't pay. You know, we haven't got a rent rental income on this for the last six months. I think that is a source of business right now that's not being tapped by real estate agents. So what would you say to the vacant rental property owner who says, yeah, I know that I can get X amount in equity out if I sell right now, but once renters are able to pay again, I, the cash flow is too attractive. What, what would you say to them? Yeah, so you know, I think a lot of the people, so it's different if you're talking to a single, somebody who owns one property sure. or like a real investor who, because you know, some of these properties, if you're vacant for one or two, three months, there is no profit for the entire year, right? right. So you need to be, uh, you need to kind of understand that. 
And okay. then, you know, you could say, well, hey, have you ever thought about cashing out and then buying back in when the market takes a dip? You might be able to get your equity and get two investment properties mm. when the properties dip or, you know, uh, an exchange like, hey, is there maybe some people want to get out of residential and go to a bigger, you know, maybe a multi or a 10, you know, something. So there's people who are always looking to do different types of investments. Somebody who's just, you know, well, I need the cash flow. Okay, I can understand. Maybe right now is not the right time for you to sell, but I'm curious, is there a price in which you would consider? Mm. Because right now, I mean, I'm selling homes that I look at, I'm like, I cannot believe people are paying that. So they might tell you that, but you know, if you said, well, what if you could get 500,000 for it? And they're like, I paid 200,000 for this house. Do you really? Yeah, in today's market, it's probably, I could probably get you 500. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to yeah. give a specific, like, what you think it could be worth. Well, I don't know. I think in today's market, you might be able to get that. That's how in demand homes are. That's how few homes are on the market right now. Inventory's right. at an all time low. Buyers are competing. It's not uncommon to get 30, 40, 50 offers. Um, shoot, I just heard a story the other day that a home went for 105,000 over asking. The person got to stay in their house for two months and uh, the buyer stepped up and paid the difference in the appraisal shortage. So if you could truly maximize and get more than what this home is worth, as an investor, getting more than something is worth is pretty attractive. Perfect, perfect answer. I love it. Well, we are running out of time here, Alex, and you have laid so much knowledge out. I love these seven, even eight, eight tips that agents can take today and go implement and, and hustle and work hard. What it sounds like is there should be no such thing as a part-time agent right now, right? If, if, if they care about making all that money, hustle. Yeah, it, there's a lot of hustle in here. You're solving problems, right? I tell people, you know, working with buyers is harder, right? You do yeah. have to go do all these extra steps. But if you do them, that's the difference in getting an offer accepted. I see agents telling me how they've had their offer, you know, their buyer write 20 offers and not get accepted. And my, you know, my response is, well, have you had a consultation with your buyer? Have you put them in the best position? Why mm. are they losing? Right. Why are they losing? Like, are you not advising them properly? Um, or are they in a situation where they don't have enough, like they're really not motivated. They'd like to, but getting a house doesn't necessarily have to happen. Like as agents, we only have so much time in the day and we can only take on so many clients. So the one thing I will tell you is you gotta be more selective of who you work with right now. And I know there's people right now cringing when I say that, oh, I mm. love my clients, I wanna help them. I understand but you also have to put food on your table, right? So you have to understand if you could only work with a select few, you've got to work with the people who are in a position to be able to buy in this market, which means if you know they need 50,000, 100,000 cash and you're working with a buyer who has no money, you either need to find them an off market property or what I've also done for my cash strapped buyers is I moved them to new builds, which is difficult in today's market too. Yeah. But the advantage of a new build is the price isn't being run up to where they got to guarantee the appraisal shortage. So if you mm. only have down payment money, go hustle the new builds. I knock on new builds every week until they're like, dude, will you stop coming? I told you we have no inventory. I know, but you will have a builder fallout and I want to be the first phone call you get. We put two under contract with that exact strategy right there. The builder called me and said, I don't want to put this house back on the market because I have 500 agents on a waiting list which means I'm gonna get 500 phone calls. I don't have time for that. Do you really have that buyer if I send you? And we got two deals accepted that way. My buyer skipped an entire 500 person list 
but I was persistent, you know? For this buyer, I will tell you, had that not happened, we would not get them a home because they didn't have any cash to guarantee the appraisal. They needed down payment assistance. Talk about the double whammy, right? Like no Mm -hmm. cash to guarantee and they need down payment assistance, but we were able to get them into a new build and we didn't have to worry about any of that. Incredible. Well, Alex, this has been awesome. Um, I wanna give you one last opportunity to give any final advice that you have for agents out there one last thing before before we do a mic drop here and, and we wrap up. Yeah, I think it's be resourceful and tell people you do things differently. Nice. You know, money money moves to differentiation. If the consumer thinks all real estate agents are the exact same, then there is no value in what we do. You need to tell them what you do. And that's why number seven was memorialize it. Show them what you do. Show them is better than tell them. Client testimonials, video client testimonials is what I what I would be focusing on right now. Telling people how you help somebody else, putting it on video, those things don't go away. Those are assets for life and differentiate yourself. Find ways to help buyers and sellers that aren't, we put you into the MLS and you get auto notifications. Consumers, they don't see any value in that, right? They think they can go to Zillow and get all the properties. They think they can go to realtor.com, you know? Um, yeah. So differentiate yourself, be creative, do things differently, leverage social media, leverage video. If you're not doing video, you're, you're, you know, you're going to get passed by in today's real estate world. So. Boom. Well, Alex, thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. We have our audience chiming in right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, for our audience, thank you for joining us. Uh, we learned a lot from Alex today. If you're watching and listening and want to Check out the replay so that you can you can you know take take notes again and, and learn from Alex again. We we publish this podcast on every platform. You uh, we, we're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, anywhere you like to listen. Go check us out, uh, the Red X Podcast. Uh, subscribe and like and and uh, we do this show every Thursday, 1:30 Mountain Time, 3:30 Eastern. Alex, thank you again, and we will see you all next Thursday. Thank you.